the uh, Gemara in Brachos, Davavim and Aleph, describes the value, the superiority of tefillah Davin in a public setting. The Gemara in Davav states as follows, Tana Abba ben Yamin Omer, Ein tefillah shel adam nishmas, Ela bebeis haknesses, Shenamar, Lishmoa el harina v'el ha the first part of this Gemara, Abba ben Yamin's statement, isolates Tfilah B'tzibor, typically stationed or positioned in a base Knesses, as a Tfilah which carries a melody, a song, an aesthetic, a rina, that enhances the quality of Tfilah. Perhaps it's the melody in particular, perhaps more metaphoric or figurative statements of Rina, not just singing, but the overall sort of communal voice that large groups of people emit rather than one single prayer. But Abhinyamin speaks to the superior caliber of tefillah, the Rina, that can enhance tefillah. The Gemara continues, Amar Ravin Barav Ada, Amar Yitzchak, Minayin Shakarish Baruch Matsui. Ravin Barav Ada targets a very different value or advantage of Tefillah B'Tzibor of davening in the presence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu a presence which is facilitated by a Tzibor of Jews a separate metaphysical entity that solicits the presence of the Shechina. These two statements in Brachos, Davav, describe, one could say, substantive differences between Tfilah B'yachid and Tfilah B'tzibur. Whether it's the aesthetic that Abba Binyamin spoke of, L'shmoa El Harina V'yel or the proximity and vicinity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Elokim Nitzav Ba'adaskel, each spoke of the location and form of Tfilah B'tzibur, as directly contributing a condition or a criteria for tefillah. The truth is, the notion of tefillah b'tzibor, the challenge and the opportunity to daven in a group setting, affords far greater or additional components beyond this Gemara in Brachos, Davavim and Aleph. Appreciating tefillah b'tzibor is somewhat challenging from a strict and cold halachic standpoint, there is no mitzvah to daven with a tzibur. One would be hard-pressed to actually look for a mitzvah de Rabbanan to daven with tzibur. Chachamim talking davening. Indeed, if a person happens to be with a tzibur, there are various sections which can be recited, very salient sections of affirming HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Kedusha. But in the absence of a minion, you daven the best you can. You say whatever you feel you can say. So, defending or appreciating Tefillah B'Tzibor is part of understanding the dimensions of Tefillah itself. This is a very interesting Gemara in Brachos. The Gemara in Brachos, in this case, on Daf Yud. Amir Rabbi Yochanan Mishrim Rabbi Yossi Ben Zimra. Kol HaTola B'Schus Atzmo, Tolan Lo B'Schus Acherim. V'kol HaTola B'Schus Acherim, 
If a person davens and he bases his tefillah on the warrant of his own personal merit, then a Kaddish Baruch so to speak, responds by granting his wish based on other people's deservedness and merit. But if that person, initially, a person davens expecting a positive and favorable response because of other people's or the public merit and warrant, then a Kaddish Baruch answers him for his own merit. It's an interesting play on the difference between a tefillah which is premised on self-evaluation and a tefillah which is premised on underconfidence and recognition and admiration of others and lack of complacency of self. But the gist of the Gemara is that when a person davens, his thoughts should be riveted on other people, communities, as the true merit or the true basis of his own request. The Gemara cites an example. Moshe asked for Am Yisrael to be spared by invoking the merit of our fathers. Zachar the Avraham Yitzchak Yisrael Avodecha. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu awarded Am Yisrael's salvation and rescue based, it's the various Pesukim the Gemara quotes, based on Moshe Rabbeinu's Tzitkus. One could claim that the Tzitkus of Moshe or anyone else is not just general tzitkos, but the humility and the lack of egotism that drives a person to daven based on other people's merit rather than their own is itself a sign of piety. And that piety forms the basis of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's favorable grand and favorable response. A very similar, perhaps more well-known Gemara in Babakama, Tzadik Beis. Amar Lei Rava Le Rabba Bar Mari Rabba told Rabba, the son of Mari, Minoha Milsa da Amarabanu called Mavakesh Rachamim al Khavero, Vhutsarach Leoso Davar, Hunanatrila. How do we know that if a person requires needs, has some particular need, if that person davens on behalf of a different individual, then his needs are answered equivalently or one could say sooner, Hunanatrila, the literal translation of the Gemara? It's according to one shot. We can derive it from Eov, according to a different statement of the Gemara. You can derive it from Avram Avinu. There's always a very intriguing shadowing between Avram Avinu and Eov throughout Chazal. Sometimes Eov comes out superior, most times Avram comes out superior. Either way, this Gemara in Bavakama resonates with the same spirit as the Gemara in Brachos. Gemara in Brachos speaks about the basis, the foundation, the warrant for our requests. Why do we think we deserve what we request? Whereas the Gemara in Bavakama speaks of the content of our request. Who are we asking for? Who are we really praying for? But despite their important differences, the two Gemaras tend to shift the focal point of our davening away from ourselves, our own needs, our own merits, and towards the tzibor, whether it's the merit of the tzibor, the merit of others, or the needs of others. This shifting or rerouting of our interest, of our focal point, is in some ways intended to relieve the latent egotism of tefillah. What right does a person have to stand in front of the Melch Machem Lachim, the transcendent, invisible God, and lodge his own petty requests, and seek to justify those requests on personal merit, which will always be insufficient, which will always be incomplete. Somehow, displacing or decentralizing personal merit or personal interest 
almost sanitizes tefillah and prevents the latent egotism from adulterating the tefillah process. There's a very interesting um, Gemara and Yomat based on the Mishnah, which provides a slightly different slant for not the content of our tefillah, nor the um, basis of our tefillah, but the awareness that our davening is always pitched within a communal setting and as um, fervent and arduous and uh, or arduous and passionate as our tefillahs are and as deep and fixating as our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu may be, a person shouldn't and can't lose sight of the overall setting that frames this tefillah. The Mishnah in Yoma speaks about a Kohen Gadol who entered the Kodesh HaKadoshim. One could imagine this moment in Yom Kippur being the high watermark, the pinnacle of tefillah, a person standing literally in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in front of the Aron HaKodesh, underneath the Kisi HaKavod, and if there's a time for sophisticated, extended tefillah, this would clearly be that time. And the Mishnah Yoma in Parakei, Mishnah Aleph says that the Kohen Gadol would exit the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and as he was exiting, he would have in a short tefillah. And the Mishnah concludes, Lo hayamarich b'tefilaso, shelo lahavit et Yisrael. He would not um, extend his tefillah, so he shouldn't frighten the Jewish people, he shouldn't frighten the tzibor. Again, the Gemara speaks about the technical concern of causing alarm, that maybe he was delayed and maybe he was killed. We know, especially during the second day of Mikdash, many Kornim Gedolim did not survive that encounter in the Kodesh HaKadosh, many corrupt Kohane Gadol. But I think it's more than just a practical concern. I think there's a message here that as uh, inspired as this Kohen Gadol may be, he has to worry about public fear and public alarm. That's, that's a valuable worry on Yom Kippur, and it's so valuable that it even curtails his tefillah. As the Gemara in Yom Nun Gimel, in explanation or elaboration of this Mishnah, describes Tana Rabbanon, Maisa Kohen Gadol Echad, Sheherich B'Tfilasa. There was in fact a Kohen Gadol who didn't heed the Mishnah's instructions, and he davened extensively. And the Kohanim began to enter the Kodesh HaKadashim, or the Heichal, to search for him. And when they finally located him, they asked him, why were you so uh, lengthy in your tefillah? And he said, well, I was davening for you, and I was davening for the Beis HaMikdash. I had a public agenda in mind. And they scolded him. al And they quoted the Mishnah. So this story actually provides a scene in which a Kohen Gadol has seemingly selfless and virtuous intentions. He wants to daven on behalf of the broader public welfare, the broader public good. And yet he was scolded because even that could be traced to, one could say, egotism, that you have the power through your extended tefillos to change Hashem's will and you're sort of carrying Amisol on your shoulders rather than sort of seeing yourself as a cog or an element of a broader machinery of tefillos, of korbanos, and of course an important cog, one could say the central cog, but there's a bit too much freestyling and freewheeling, one can say, in this coin, in this coin Gadol's extended tefillah. So, there's a rerouting of tefillos towards the tzibor, or one could say there's a purity of tefillah the that escapes some of the egotism and cockiness 
and egotism and cockiness are really very, very, um, aside from their moral danger, they're inappropriate foundations of tefillah. The basis of tefillah is need and fragility and recognizing the insufficiency of the human condition and the need to look to a divine being for salvation and redemption. Tefillah B'tzibor better facilitates that recognition, that mentality. Um, this is why the notion of Minak um, HaMakom Al-Yifrash Adam Minatzibor which is such a controlling force in so many aspects of our religious and social lives, not to be deviant or to depart from local custom, that's why it carries so much extra weight in the world of tefillah. And sometimes that clash is um, a very acute one, and one which people don't often or always navigate properly. Tefillah is a very personal moment of spontaneous, individual expression to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and each person legitimately recognizes, imagines different physical positions, postures, types of clothing. Um, one could even say musical tones. I and mean, there's so many different elements of personal expression that your fila attitude will impact. And sometimes that packaging of your emotion has to be curtailed in order that your presence can be streamlined and integrated within a broader public presence. And obviously, Darachet Tzibor shouldn't completely stifle or suffocate human initiative and human expression. But alternatively, human expression shouldn't be allowed to um, spiral uncontrollably so that the very fabric of Tzibor and the integration of Tzibor begins to unravel. And somehow this mission in Yoma somehow touches upon that, that the Kohen Gadol wanted to ad-lib a bit and to freestyle, and he was scolded by the Kohenim who said, this is a time for integration within the more general fabric of the Tzibor. Um, I think the rerouting of Tzvilah in its content, in its attitude, in its basis for expectations, the Gemara in Brachos, that if you're Tola B'schos that's a superior form of Tefillah. I think that rerouting of Tefillah is geared not only to preventing eotism, but also building the sense of Tznios that stems from the recognition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's transcendence and the almost futile attempt for our prayers to describe him or to capture HaKadosh Baruch Hu's magnitude. It's an interesting medrash in Shmos, Parsha Chafalaf. Amar Rabbi Pinchas b'shem Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yirmiya b'shem Rabbi Chia bar Abba. B'shashi Yisrael mispalalim, when people daven, when Jews daven, they don't all daven together. Very interesting. The fact that there are different time zones almost assures that davening will never be simultaneous. Jews will be scattered, certainly during the exilic periods, living in Galus will be scattered across different time zones, and the Tzilos will not coincide. I don't know if the Medrash is referring specifically to time zones, it may just be referring to different uh, Zmani Tvila even within a singular time zone. But basically their Tvilos are offered at different times. Mm-hmm. Each unit, in this case, the Medrash doesn't refer to each Tvila, but each community, each shul, Davin separately. 
Hakneses Hazutchila, first one group Davins, Veacharkach Hakneses Acheres. And the Medrash concludes, Umeacher Shech Kol Haknesios Gomerots Kolat Tfilot. When all the Tfilots have concluded, I guess uh, in our own framework these would be people who would live on the west coast of America or closer to the Pacific Ocean before you'd cross the dateline. They would be the last people to daven on any given day, the last people to daven on Yom Kippur. When the final community finishes davening, an angel comes, he gathers all the tefillos, he forms a crown, and he coronates the Rabbana Shalom. Very, very um, intriguing. Very um, colorful medrash about the schedule of tefillos. And in this case, first of all, a medrash that sort of assures us that it doesn't make a difference whether yours is the first tefillah or the last tefillah, because as it were, all the tefillahs are suspended, not, not suspended, but collected all at once and offered to a Kodesh Baruch Hu incarnation. But it's also a medrash that captures the fact that only the sum of multiple tefillahs is capable of forming an atara. And almost as if tefillahs have to be literally suspended or deferred until all tefillahs are available to be combined into one, I guess, whole that's larger than the sum of its parts that can even begin to be described as a Kaddish Baruch Hu's crown. So the, the um, recognition of tzibor is not just to prevent egotism and self-centric attitude vis-a-vis your own estimation and those around you, but also to preserve almost the transcendent character of tefillah. Tefillah transcendence is always under assault or always susceptible because tefillah stresses equality, bilateralism, proximity, speaking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, comfort, familiarity, familiarity which I discussed in some of the previous shiurim, it's Yitzchak Lasuach Basad, the speaking to God. And within every tefillah, there has to be a nat- natural corrective to restore the balance between familiarity and transcendence, between Ava and Yira, between that sense that we feel close to Hashem, we can speak to Hashem, we can lodge requests and lodge demands of Hashem, but ultimately, Ma'anu, Ma'chayenu, Ma'tzidkenu, Ma'yeshenu, we don't deserve anything we ask for. So, davening in the Tzibor somehow serves to reinforce that sense of transcendence. And my own personal audience with HaKadosh Baruch Hu may not be as fruitful may not be as productive as joining my tefillahs to a tzibor and ultimately envisioning my tefillah b'tzibor as being dependent on a broader framework or a broader roster of tefillahs. Um, there's some very interesting practical ramifications of this tzibor ethic. One very interesting ramification is a gemara in brachos. I alluded to this gemara a bit before, but I think it's uh, something that has sp- specific application. Amar of Chanan Bar Abba, Minayin Laona Amen, Shalayak Biakola Yosem in Hamavarach, Shinamar Gadla Shem Iti, Ramashimayachdav. Person shouldn't answer Amen louder than the person reciting the Bracha. Um, there's a responsive element to answering Amen, and somehow preempting or usurping 
the bracha by a loud, or maybe one could say an elongated amen, is not just immoral, but it may be a short-circuiting or a subversion of tefillah's communal, discursive, interactive nature. And this obviously is a is an issue that people think about from time to time when they consider chazanas, the various levels of chazanas. And some claim that the type of chazanas, the classic high-style chazanas, may in some ways um, upset the delicate balance and the delicate sneers that should be maintained in tefillah. Other people feel that uh, it's a necessary tactic because the beauty of chazanas is so important that it enhances and embellishes the tefillah and creates that joy of tefillah for those who appreciate the art of chazanas. But this question of answering amen louder than the tzibor or louder than the person reciting the bracha clearly um, raises the specter of chazanas of sort of outdoing or outperforming those around you rather than trying to raise the spirits or sort of mold into those around you. There is an interesting Gemara in Brachos about leaving shul before others. Tana Abba Binyamin Omer, Brachos Dafhayamad Beis, Shnaim Shenichnesul Hispalel. If two people daven jointly, simultaneously, Vikadam Echad Mehem Vilispala Vilohimtim Mishavera Vyatsa, and person davens quicker, faster, one can say unnaturally fast, than his friend, and he leaves, departs before his friend, Tarfin Lotfila Selbifanaf. Very sharp, very strident statement. God discards the tefillah. The Gemara continues, Yisrael. He causes the Shechina to depart, even more severe. doesn't just have an unsuccessful tefillah experience, but he actually distances HaKadosh Baruch Hu Now, some of Farshim explain this Gemara based on the fact that you are subjecting the person who daven more lengthy to walking home alone. If you leave before him, again, perhaps describing shuls that were located in in far-off remote areas, outside of cities, perhaps along trails that were dangerous, so it would only be moral and ethical to wait for your friend and escort him home. But the severity of this, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's response, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tears your tefillah up and he removes the Shechina, suggests that this Gemara describes more than just a practical concern, but that ultimately the Gemara is describing again person whose tefillos create greater individualism and less collectivism. Greater sense of self. I daven, again, the other person davens too lengthy, then he may be the guilty party, he may be the deviant party. But a person should try to even curtail the personal expression in tefillah, in this case the timing and the duration of tefillah, in order to create greater fusion and integration within a collective experience. Very similar Gemara in Brachos Dav Chavchas. Amid Beis, the Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Asr Laliyadam Shiyaktim Tfilasa or Tfilasa Tzibor. Presumably Rabbi Yochanan was discussing a case, or even a case where a person davens privately, even if a person does not make it to Shul, he shouldn't daven before the Tzibor davens. He shouldn't, again, preempt his Tfila will cut in, cut the line before the Tfila of the Tzibor, even though his pace, his passion, 
may incline him towards a quicker tefillah. Just like the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur, he can't daven in a vacuum. His tefillah has to be recited within a broader communal context. In this case, the timing is affected by that recognition. There's another interesting Gemara, final Gemara, a Gemara in Brachos, Dav Chesem et Aleph. Amar Eish Lakish. Kol me sheyesh lo beis knesses be'iro, ve'enon nichnas sham lehispalel, nikra shachen ra. Very interesting terminology. It's based on a Pasuk in Yirmi, a Perak Yud Beis. Ko amar Hashem ha'kol shechinei harayim hanogim benachalar she'enchalti yisamiyas Yisrael. Whoever has a shul in his town and doesn't attend it is considered a poor or a disloyal neighbor. Nikra Shachin Ra. It's almost as if minion attendance, aside from the enhancement that it provides to tefillah in the actual substantive level, Hashem's presence, the aesthetic of Rina, beyond the moral um, virtue of tefillah b'tzibur, that it um, checks or prevents egotism, um, lack of tzniyas, or arrogance in the presence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, davening is at its heart a civic responsibility. Now it's hard to know what the Gemara had in mind by describing davening or attendance in shul as a civic, municipal responsibility or poor neighbor. Does the Gemara um, see davening as a way to facilitate other people's davening, that their davening will be enhanced, and by denying people your service and your presence, your poor neighbor... Is the Gemara perhaps suggesting that davening together as a tzibor has a healthy social element beyond the liturgical and prayer element that Hashem wants us to get together with our neighbors under the rubric or under the roof, literally of the base Knesset, and daven together, and that itself should form a social experience, which again strikes at the heart of how we fashion our shuls. Do we see them as houses of worship solely? Or do we also see them as communal um, communal um, fulcrums or communal anchors where we get together as a community for more than just feel, of course, the central pivot or the central motif of a shul being our joint feel. But either way, this Gemara perhaps is the most highlighted ethic of Tefillah B'Tzibor. Tefillah B'Tzibor is not, uh, one could say, not only important because of the contributions that Tzvila B'tzibor convey to a person's davening, a person's attitude, a person's mentality, a person's psychology, but it's also important because of how my presence affects others. I have to daven in shul, not solely because my tefillas will be enhanced, but because I have a moral responsibility to the people in my neighborhood to be there for them again, in the literal sense when they're saying Kaddish to make a minion, but perhaps in the broader sense just to create that communal fabric that a shul underwrites and that Tzvila B'tzibor reinforces. So these are some of the themes and motifs of Tzvila B'tzibor and some of the statements of the Gemara, aside from the obvious, the ability to say Kaddish and Kedusha, to read from the Torah, to perform the aspects of Tzvila B'tzibor, or the aspects of davening, which only Tzvila B'tzibor enable. Clearly, Tzvila B'tzibor, in many, many cases, contributes to our kavana, 
the infectious energy of other people davening, of uh, an organized form of davening. Some people often claim they'd rather daven in private because they can have more kavana. Sometimes that claim is, or that, that assertion is itself dubious, is itself questionable. On the one hand, there are distracting elements in shul. The travel, the difficulty, the inconvenience, the seeing people who may not daven, being disturbed by other people's uh, perhaps less than scrutinized davening. But typically, when all is said and done, davening in shul probably lends itself to greater kavana because, again, the contagious, infectious presence of others. Easy to be distracted outside of shul, harder to be distracted in shul. Not impossible. But even, so to speak, if push came to shove, and a person were honestly convinced that davening in shul would detract kavana, and davening in private would add kavana on a continuous or consistent basis, maybe from time to time, but on a consistent basis, this would be a fraudulent uh, calculus because there's so many aspects to tefillah that the tzibor contribute that aren't immediately discernible in kavana. Attitude, presence of Hashem, aesthetic, and ultimately allowing tefillah to transcend an experience of prayer and constitute a broader communal activity. And the absence from that broader communal activity renders a person who doesn't daven b'tzibor, renders him, as the Gemara says in Brachos, a poor neighbor.